This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome in to Sinking Truth Podcast alongside uh, my partner, Mike Evans, with a nice shirt on. I am Mark Schlerth without a nice shirt on. And uh, always good to be with you. So much going on this first week of free agency, Mike. Uh, first and foremost, man, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Finally, the Aaron Rodgers saga appears like uh, we're going to get a conclusion. What do you make of all of it? Him coming out and saying, I want to play for the Jets. Mm -hmm. It's not about me and where I want to go as much as it is about the Packers and Jets working out compensation. Why is it different this year than it was a year ago when there was still speculation about Rodgers going somewhere else but ultimately staying in Green Bay. What's different this yeah. time? What's different this time is they actually believe that Jordan Love can take them kind of like Aaron Rodgers took them after Brett Favre. Like, they feel confident that Jordan Love is ready to be their quarterback. And I think that's the, I mean, I think that's ultimately the biggest thing of where they are right now and why they weren't willing to pull the trigger. Two years ago, why they weren't willing to pull the trigger last year. Because let's face it, Mike, there's only one explanation for Nathaniel Hackett being the head coach here last year. And that's because they were in conversations with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and they got cold feet once again. They didn't think Jordan Love was ready. And it's interesting because I had that long conversation with Aaron Rodgers about Jordan Love, and Aaron is very forthright. I, I love talking to Aaron. Very forthright. Um, he's in charge, so there's never any concern like what, what's going on, right? He is in charge. He knows what's going on. And he said it was really the first time that Jordan Love embraced being the backup quarterback. And, and I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly what he said, but embraced being the quarterback and really taking on that that personality, that role of trying to go out there and not only give the defensive look, but not only running those cards, but trying to eviscerate that defense and working on his game when he had that opportunity. And I think what happens is there comes a point, and I think this is what happened over the course of two years, they talked about moving Aaron Rodgers, and they were so nervous about where Jordan Love was in his game that they weren't ready to. And I talked about this on draft night, and I got a ton of crap from Packer fans. Up yours, Packer fan, because I was right. So they were working on a deal, even though they said they didn't talk, and that's baloney. Like, they lie about that crap all the time. Just like George Payton, the general manager of the Denver Broncos, last year when they got Russell Wilson, said this was our plan all along. That's why we signed Hackett, so we could bring Aaron Rodgers here. That's garbage. Like, that's just a lie. But I expect that from general managers. They're supposed to lie. That's their job. And so they weren't ready to pull the trigger a couple of years ago on draft night, even though they had those conversations. Then they weren't willing to do it last year, even though the Broncos went out and got Nathaniel Hackett so they could lure Aaron Rodgers here to Colorado. And now they're finally ready. Now they believe that Jordan Love is ready to be that guy to take them into the future, and they're ready to part ways with Aaron Rodgers. Who is Nathaniel Hackett? What is the magic of Nathaniel Hackett 
that the Broncos went out and hired him as their head coach without any commitment whatsoever that they were going to get Russell Will, uh, Aaron Rodgers, but with the hope that Hackett's presence here would entice Rodgers to, to, to force his way out of Green Bay to come here. And then Rodgers himself comes out and says, hey, one of the reasons why I'm drawn to the Jets is because one of the coaches on the staff right. there, Nathaniel Hackett. What is this guy's – what's this guy's secret? Yeah. Well, Aaron has said that he's, like, one of the favorite coaches he's ever played for. Loves him. And I, I tell you, Nathaniel Hackett's a good dude, man. I love Nathaniel Hackett. I really do. Now, you know, he reached his Peter principle, right? He rose to the level of his competence when it came to being a head coach. He just wasn't ready to take all that stuff on. And he made some let's, He made some classic mistakes, you know, you get together and you go through the grind of being a, you know, a, 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 an offensive like you know quality control guy. Then you become a you know positional coach, and then you become a coordinator. You know, and you do all those things, and you go through it with a bunch of guys where, you know, you guys are spending eighteen hours a day doing all the grunt labor, and 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 you say, hey man, if I ever get there, you know, I'm committed to you, and you're going to be my guy. And so he went out. And he hired a bunch of young coaches. And I think this is something that happens within organizations. I think it happens from owners and also other coaches. You think that young equates to ability to communicate and connect. That's a bunch of garbage. You're either a communicator or you're not. Being young has nothing to do with that. Being able to send a couple of emojis means nothing if you can't truly communicate. And I'll tell you one thing that players want. One thing they demand, can you make me better? That's all I want to know. Listen, man, I love honesty. If I suck, tell me I suck. I'm okay with that, right? I'll take that responsibility as a player. But if you can't make me better, I don't need you to coach me. I don't want you to coach me. You can give me all the bells and whistles and you can put movie clips in the, you know, you could do all that. Oh, he puts movie clips and they're funny in the, (laughs) I don't care. Can you make me better? And ultimately, I think there's a connection because obviously Rogers is phenomenal. And he connected with Nathaniel Hackett. Because Hackett's funny, man, and he's a great dude, and he's all that stuff. And listen, make no bones about it. He understands. He knows offensive football. There is no question. But he ended up bringing in coaches that were all in their 40s. Like, he didn't bring in experienced coaches. Every guy, defense coordinator, first-time defense coordinator, offense coordinator, first-time offensive coordinator, never called plays before. You know, all these guys – O-line coach, first-time O-line coach, always been an assistant. Every guy was a first-timer at his position. And so you didn't bring in – one of the things that that Sean McVay told me, when Sean McVay became the head coach of the Rams, and Sean McVay, I think he was 32 at the time, one of the most dynamic personalities I've ever been around. There's two types of people. People who walk into the room and energize it and people who walk out of the room and energize it. Make sure you know who you are, right? You don't want to be the guy that walks out of the room and everybody goes, thank God that turd's gone. McVeigh walks in and energizes the room. But he told me my number one hire, my number one hire, when I became the head coach of the Rams, Wade Phillips. That dude's forgotten more about football than I know. 
That dude has gravitas. That guy has been around. That guy understands this game. And all the things that I don't know about being a head coach, he can help me navigate. Meanwhile, Nathaniel Hackett got all his buddies, all the young guys, all the first-time guys, and didn't have anybody who had balls. Because sometimes you need a dude that's a dick. You need a dude that's an enforcer. and a di- Man, I had offensive line coaches over the course of my career. I have been sitting in a meeting where Alex Gibbs, God rest his soul, walked out of the meeting and started screaming in the hallway at Mike Shanahan. Fuck you. We ain't doing that. Fuck you. I ain't doing that. I'm not going to have my guys do that. Fuck off. To the head coach in the hallway, and we're all sitting in the room like, oh my God, pardon my French, but we're all sitting there, oh, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> there's going to be a fight. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. Yeah. I am dead Like, you have got to have guys on your staff that are the bad cops. Yeah. And he didn't do that, but I'm telling you, he's a great coach, and I think that's one of the reasons. He's a great coach from the standpoint of, connectivity, relationship. Like there's some guys that are never good head coaches because they have to have that part. Like they're the connective guy. And they don't have that dick in them. So so we got two new uh, producers, engineers on this podcast today, Johnny and Austin. And I think they're both wondering, what the heck did I oh, just oh, walk yeah. into? Sorry about that. I didn't what mean to. What did I walk into? It just was better. Like, it, that's how. I was not expecting yeah, that. That's how. When, I wasn't expecting yeah, that. That's I wasn't either. But that's how it went down. <laughs> I thought authenticity was important. It's very important to be authentic. Yeah. All right. Be real on this one. What, what should the Jets fans' expectations be? With Aaron Rodgers, playoffs. So are they now the the are they the second best team in the AFC East? Could could they challenge the Bills? Just what is the upside with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets here? I think they challenge the Bills for the division. Mm. I don't think they win the division, but they'll challenge the Bills for the division. And and that's a young, dynamic, great defense. Love their head coach. Robert Solomon is salt of the earth. These guys play hard for him. He is a no nonsense guy. Um, I, I, so you I, put him ahead of the Dolphins right now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think defensively they are outstanding. I think they've got you know some young offensive weapons. They'll get Hall back at the running back position. Uh, they've got some young wide receivers who can really play. He'll, you know, they'll put. They've got Lazard now. They'll they'll get a couple of the AARP guys, uh, you know, like Mercedes Lewis and a couple other old dudes, mm-hmm. Randall Cobb. You know, because old people love to sit down and talk to old people. Like I know that because I'm old, right? So Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm going to go into a locker room with a bunch of kids. I need a couple of old codgers where we can talk about, you know, we can get, you know, scream at clouds with our black socks on, right? <laughs> I remember, you know, and get in there. So, you know, it's amazing. I, I mean, think think about having this conversation right now, listening to this conversation. Who did I leave out in all that? Who was not mentioned in all that? Bills, Jets, Dolphins, the Patriots. Oh, the my. Patri- right? Right. I had to remind you. Yeah. They've become... Again, how the mighty have fallen. They are now at the point where they're they're the, la- they're the worst team in the AFC East. They're going to be a last place team. Gosh, I, yeah, that's that is when you 
Think about that for tw- their 20 year reign of terror. Yes. The evil empire. The evil empire. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden slain by Josh Allen playing the role of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Right, but seriously, yeah. Now with Aaron Rodgers going to the the Jets, the Patriots are a distant fourth in that division, aren't they? They are. And, and their, when you, their big signing was Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, I mean, whoop de doo, Basil. What did Juju Smith Schuster do other than get a phantom holding call in the Super Bowl that caught that that essentially won it? Won it. Good uh, for him. That'll be his his chief legacy. Yeah, chief legacy. Won the Super Bowl on a phantom call. Um. Yeah, it's you think about you think about the quarterback. We always kind of divvy up the quarterbacks in that division. I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tua. Squishy Mac is dead last in that. Big year for Mac Jones. Big year for Mac Jones. Big year for for Bill Belichick. Mac Jones did a great job as a rookie under Josh McDaniels. He really did. And then Bill Belichick had this genius football idea that we don't really need an offensive coordinator. We'll get a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach to become our offensive co-coordinators. How'd that work out? You want to talk about, like, that's one of those, for a dumb guy or for a smart guy, you sure are dumb. That's a, like that's a, That was a, a horrific decision. Because as a rookie, Mac Jones, Mac Jones actually played really well. They went to the, they went to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So... Anyhow, get back on track with a real live offensive coordinator. We'll see exactly what happens. But, yeah, you're right. They're they're the fourth team in the division, the New England Patriots. It's incredible. That, And that's just just in the span of just a a less less than, what, five years? Mm -hmm. We're talking about them going from from being where they were to where they are. Yeah. Probably forecasted to be. Four years, right? Brady just played three years in Tampa. This is the fourth year now. Yeah. Speaking of Tampa. They signed Baker Mayfield. Right. Oh, they're feeling dangerous. Talk about how the mighty have fallen. You've got Baker Mayfield, former number one overall pick. Sam Darnold, former number three overall pick. He's going for football rehab with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. If you had to bet which one of them is the most successful after they go through football rehab, who has the better career long-term, Baker or Sam Darnold? Wow. Um, I, that's a, that's a great question because I think the football rehab that Sam Darnold's going to get in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, with Brian Greasy, with some of the people they have with that running game and seeing how it all kind of melds together. I think that's invaluable for him. The other thing is from a pressure standpoint, I don't think he's going to be asked to win games. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if he'll be asked to play because they really like Brock Purdy. And I leave the guy, third overall pick, Trey Lance, who they gave all that draft capital up for, I leave him out. Are they, are... You don't include him in the conversation? Because if, if Brock Purdy, let's say Brock Purdy's not ready to start the season, mm-hmm. who would you bet is the starter, Trey Lance or? Sam Darnold. The the point the point being, I don't know who will be the starter. Probably Trey Lance, but the point is there'll be a competition there, right? Which tells you exactly what they think of Trey Lance. Like I wouldn't be surprised at all 
if they look to move him during the draft. Try, to, re- try that, to recoup some of those yeah, that draft capital? Yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all if they try to get maybe a couple second rounders for him or whatever it is. Say, here you go. You know, he's healthy now. Because I, I just I think they look at Brock Purdy and say they saw the energy with which he played, um, you know, the foot energy, his ability to understand protection, get through progressions, throw the ball on time accurately, and never be overwhelmed. The guy was never overwhelmed. I mean, he was right up until the time he tore up his elbow. And, you know, that's a that's a that's such a freak accident because you see that probably happen every game, yeah. two, three times a game, every game on Sunday. And for that thing to tear whatever it tore. But I think they're really committed to him. And I think that, that Sam Darnold has a chance. The problem is that, that Baker Mayfield is going to go into a situation and, and be expected to. But at least he can play. He should be able to play right away. Yeah, and he'll have some talent, now. right? He'll have some talent around him. They got to, they got to fix their O line, right? They got to fix the issues that they had up front. New offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin's coming in there as opposed to you know Byron Leftwich, who's been ousted. Um, they should theoretically have a really good defense because Todd Bowles is a defensive guy. But again, you're you're expected now. It's it's the NFC South, so. You know, obviously Derek Carr goes to New Orleans and, you know, Carolina, we don't know what they're going to do there. Um, They signed a guy that I really like in Andy Dalton, but he's a bridge quarterback. Like he's going to be the bridge for whoever they decide to draft, whoever that happens to be. Um, So we kind of know that that's what's going to go on there. Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's division wise, let's face it. I mean, Atlanta, do you believe in Desmond Ritter? Is is that your guy? So who they who they sign uh, to back him up? Oh, they went out and got uh, they went out and got uh, Hinkleberry. Well, what's no no not Hinkleberry? Uh, uh, let, let, let's see if you can figure it out. Oh yeah, uh, uh, like Heineke. Yeah, Heineke. I do yes. like it. I yeah, do you like, like him Hink- a lot. Hinkleberry. Hinkleberry. I love Hinkleberry. Where did you come up with Hinkleberry? I, it was kind of like uh, what a beautiful it was, mind. It was kind of like it was kind of like <laughs> pet detective. <laughs> who was a who was a pet? <laughs> Yeah, the the, ki- the yeah. kicker guy, yeah. you know, it was like <laughs> he had the standing yina, went with the went the fruit basket, the backside. Um, who was that guy? I, I, who yeah. was that guy? Yeah. Hinkle, Crinkle, Chris Crinkle. We'll keep keep talking. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll, you're uh, gonna you're gonna yeah. yeah. I can't make it. Uh, how can I not remember that? I'll figure it out for you. Okay. You so, keep talking football. But anyhow, they went out and got Heineke, who's a who's a guy that's I, I think he's he's a, a good athlete. He's a competitor. He's he's hard nosed, tough kid. I, I really like him. You know, he's just not necessarily anybody's starting quarterback, right? I mean, I think that's. But I don't know that Desmond Ritter is either. So you know, you look at you look at Carolina. Andy Dalton can definitely be that bridge. Ray Finkel. Ray Finkel. <laughs> yes. Ray Finkel. It was Finkel. Um. Yeah. So anyhow, I like that's an it's an interesting. It's just an interesting bridge. It's kind of like what's going on with the commanders right now in Washington, right? They went out and got Jacoby Brissett as that bridge guy. I know I did a bunch of I, I did a bunch of Washington games last year and watched uh, Sam Howell practice. He was a fifth rounder last year, but they loved him. They they loved the way he practiced. They loved the way he commanded the scout team. They loved the uh, like the arm talent and some of the stuff, some of the throws he made. But again, 
he's one of those guys, if you loved him that much, he wouldn't have been around in the fifth round, right? So there's got to be something that that deterred anybody from taking him, but they really like him and like his potential, but you still have to you still have to protect yourself. Well, yeah, but you understand the difference between quarterbacks that go in the first round and those that go rounds two, three, four, five. It's the idea that you take one of these quarterbacks in the first round, they're they're ready to go, and they're you just you just put them in, plug them in, and play them. Which I've always thought is is kind of silly because every quarterback needs to be developed. Right. Even a, a first overall quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, needs to be developed. Right. I, I've always thought that. Teams should look at guys like a Sam Howell and say, okay, yeah, there's a reason why he, he's not going in the first round, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we don't see something that we think right. that we can we can develop and can end up being a pretty good quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hurts has become kind of the, yeah. the poster child for that. But uh, is there a difference, though, with Washington? It seems like Howell is it, it's Howell's job to lose. Brissett's just your classic backup, whereas Dalton would be that classic bridge where right. we're going to draft somebody, yeah. you know, a CJ, a, a, a CJ Young or somebody like that, uh, CJ Stroud or, or Bryce Young, Bryce Young, and, yeah, um, and and that quarterback is going to be the guy, but a guy like Dalton could be the bridge guy for the first, you know, six. Which, by the way, I don't know about you, but I, I never really bought that anyway. What? Do you, why are you delaying the inevitable? Right, if this guy is the guy, right, all of a sudden after throw, six weeks, now yeah, now throw, he's going to get yeah, it. Just throw him in yeah. there. Yeah, I no, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I think that I think that it'll be interesting too with Washington because you think about you think about how they've constructed their football team under Ron Rivera. Dude, their D line is stout. I mean, you you got Young, first rounder. You got Jonathan Allen, first rounder. Deron Payne, first-rounder, just became the highest defensive tackle, highest-paid defensive tackle in football. Montez Sweat, first-rounder. Like, their D-line is great. And now you're playing that development game at the quarterback position. You know what ends up happening to teams that that have a position of strength? They neglect that position Mm -hmm. of strength eventually to try to chase a position of weakness. So now we're trying to develop the quarterback. So, okay, you go in with, with... you go in with Sam Howell, and then you say, okay, but let's get Jacoby Brissett just to protect ourselves, okay? And then at number 16, we've got the 16th overall pick. Do we move up? Do we do we go after a Will Levis? Do we go after one of these draft pick, you know, one of these draftable quarterbacks? Do we go in that direction? And what ends up happening is you spend three years trying to develop a guy, and then you finally figure out who that guy is, and the position of strength, which was your D-line, gets old. Free agency happens. da 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 Injuries happen. The next thing you know... Now you still haven't developed a quarterback, and now your position of strength, you've, you've, you've missed that opportunity, that window to win because of that part of your football team has now all of a sudden become, you know, you've neglected it because it was so strong that all of a sudden you become average. couple big player departures, big names on the move, mm-hmm. not of their own choice. Zeke Elliott cut loose in Dallas. Why would you ever spend money, long-term money on a running back. I understand there's always going to be the outlier, the exception to the rule. There's always going to be the Derrick Henry. There's so just few and far between. Why would you ever invest in that position? Seriously. Look at what Kansas City did. Oh, yeah. we Didn't they take Edwards Hilaire in the first round a couple years ago? Late first, yeah. Just to be 
usurped because of injury by Isaiah Pacheco, who was better as a seventh rounder. Mm-hmm. Like you, you look at like Alvin Kamara as a third rounder. I mean, you go go through it. Was it Bryce Bryce Hall over the, the Jets, even though he tore his knee up, he was cruising. Wasn't he a second rounder? Like, why would you? Why would you ever? Why would you ever spend long term money at that position? Now, moving forward, though, is is Zeke now one of those really attractive players out there? If he's now entering a a new market for him, mm-hmm. where he's not going to get paid crazy money, but he's going to start becoming older. 30 journeyman type running back. I, I would think that he'd be a pretty nice pickup for somebody. Got to figure he's going to be yeah. motivated, hungry, yeah. got a chip on his shoulder. Limit, you probably get him at a, yeah. at a good number. Limited role. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly. I, I tell you one of the other things that was. He didn't look washed up to me last year. No. Did, did he to you? No. I, you know, he's not as dynamic as he once was, obviously. But here's the other thing. It like, here, here's a guy that could be an incredible role player for you. Not only, you know, not only being that guy off the bench to keep running the ball and all that stuff, but I will tell you, coming out of college, watching Zeke in blitz pickup and catching the ball out of the backfield, like I thought he was one of the best blitz pickup backs that I had watched. I mean, he just he just eats line of scrimmage. One of the things you have to understand. When you're picking up blitzes as a running back, you can't sit back and wait for linebackers to get you. You've got to attack them in the line of scrimmage, and here's why. So make this your offensive line, right? Center, guard, tackle. You sit back here, you got two-way goes for linebackers. So they can run you over, they can swim you one way, swim you the other way, right? When you get in the line of scrimmage and take them here, one, there's no room because you're – protected by both guys. So you want to get in the line of scrimmage, take that guy on, and then you could square him up and hit him in the head. If he tries to jump over you, he's going to run into bodies. It's just it's how you have to approach it. You have to be the aggressor. You've got to take the passive out of that, and you've got to go up and get in that line of scrimmage and do that. And so um, Zeke was phenomenal at that in school at, at Ohio State. And he's he can he can catch the ball out of the backfield like he could be a guy that would come in and all of a sudden transition from your workhorse your bell cow guy to your third down nickel guy. Mm-hmm. I think you do it well. Like so, I I do think there's some value there for Zeke Elliott. And finally, Darren Waller traded right by the Raiders. Now there's there's some out there is like this is just Josh McDaniels being Josh McDaniels. This is what he did in Denver. He got there. He started trading off yeah. their best players like Jay Cutler and Tony Scheffler and guys like that. Is this a case again of of McDaniels running off a really good player for no reason? Yeah, there was. I mean, obviously Derek Carr's gone. Like I think Josh wants some of Josh's players. Like Josh wants that. Like you remember Bill Parcells used to come into to an organization like he'd come into the Jets or he'd come into uh, from the Giants and he, or the Jets and, and then he'd go to uh, – uh, he went to New England and, and then he went to, you know, Dallas, whatever. He always had a couple of guys that he'd bring with him, like the uh, like the peppers of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, big linebacker, uh, guys that the, – the, the Yossi, peppers, you know, guys that, that, that played for him, that knew what he was about – and they could essentially be the buffers to the team. Like, they could take the heat. He could give them the grief so he could give everybody the grief. They could take it 
and and they basically they basically helped assimilate his program. And I think Josh very much has learned that over the course of time through Bill Belichick, and he wants a couple of his guys that understand his system, understand his coaching style, understand what he's about. But he also, as we know here, we you know affectionately call him Hurricane Josh. He he comes in and and he destroys. You know, and some of the guys that are already there, they they just can't handle that style. But in in the case of Waller, though, is maybe part of it. Give Josh the benefit of the doubt here, because Waller the last two years has only played in like twenty of thirty four games, mm-hmm. uh, averaged about you know forty catches for about six hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. The two years prior to that, you know, he was up around one hundred catches, twelve hundred yards. Five six touchdowns yeah. each season, right? And then there's been a big drop off. So is this a there case was a, where? By the way, there was a lot of speculation. When remember when when uh, when Derek Carr got on the podium and and made his emotional plea about, you know, we got to do just to just to sleep at night, you know, and and I wish everybody felt that way in that right. locker room, right? What, is it, and, what does he mean when he yeah. says, "I wish everybody felt this way"? Right. Waller missed a lot of time with a hamstring, right? And, Come on, Raider fan. You know there there was a lot of There's speculation. There's tons about of speculation, and you know, and and Derek. Uh, I mean, I asked him about Derek. Oh no, I wasn't talking about anybody on our. Yeah, but but certainly that was the speculation. And so, is that a guy that became a hundred percent guy? I'm not going to play unless I'm a hundred percent. I like I don't know the answer to that, but certainly would seem based upon. Although you did get rid of Derek Carr too, you moved him out too. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I did tell you my theory, though, didn't I? What's that? About why the Indianapolis thing blew up? Oh, with Josh? Yeah, with Josh. Yeah, for those who don't remember, Josh was all of a sudden expected to take the Colts job until he suddenly backed out. Right, and then there was a report about Josh McDaniel's wife said he make that, that Ursay makes me like Ursay was at their house or something. Yeah. And he spent like an hour in the bathroom, right? And then she got uncomfortable and said, "No, you can't, you can't take that job." Something like that yeah, was kind of that. That so was kind of the what's story. Your, what's your theory about? Oh, I know exactly what happened. I mean, I don't know. I don't have like factual proof, but I, I have, I have like horse sense knowledge of of what goes on. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. What do you think happened? There is no question in my mind that Jim Mersey plugged the toilet. He went in there. He had the mud gut. Oh, jeez. He goes in the guest bathroom at their house. Oh, says, "I oh, need okay. to use. I need to use the bathroom." Right. Mud gut takes over. Uh-huh. You can't clean mud gut up, right? Like you, like no matter how much toilet paper you use, there's always a little residue at the end. So you are spending a lot of time. I think I know where this is going. Plug the toilet. I blame the McDaniels because this is a classic case of you better put a plunger in the guest room. Boom. Done. You got to. So I told you, like we've all been we've all been there. Right. So he's like so he's flushing it and the water's raising it. He's going, no, 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 no. And it's right to the edge. It's almost right, gonna turn, right, and then it goes slowly. Right, slowly. Right, right, After right. about ten minutes, it yeah. gets all the way back down. And you're like, whoosh. no, 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 like that's ex- you're you are willing right to will the no, water no, to not come over no, the top, right? <laughs> and so you're in there forever, but before it finally chokes. <laughs> oh, oh, 
mud gut down. And then what ends up happening to you, like this happened to me. Uh, I was in, I was calling a game in Washington. Uh-huh. Calling a game in Washington. And uh, I, I plugged my toilet in the hotel room. It's hard to do because those are pretty sturdy toilets, yeah, right? Yeah. And that was impressive work by me. <laughs> That was one of those Mount Vesuviuses okay. that were out, right? Point, you're, you're, okay. Right. You made your point. Okay. So anyhow, plug the toilet. Now I got to go. You know, we got meetings and everything else. I, I got to hang the do not disturb thing on my door so the cleaning. And no plunger in the room. No. So that the cleaning people don't come in there and, and you know, see Mount Fudgy hanging out of the water. So, so anyhow. I keep going in like, oh, I got to go back to, I've run back into the room and whoosh, no, 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 right, the whole time. Like, I did it like four times. <laughs> it's not going down. It's not going down. So then I thought to myself, well, do I call for a plunger? I don't want to call for a plunger. Like, you know, then it goes through. Every time you go back to that hotel, oh, there's a guy to plug the toilet in 14, 16. So anyhow, what I ended up doing is I ended up, they have, because we stay at nice hotels, yeah. right? Fox puts us up. Like, mm-hmm. they... So they've got like a, uh, what you would call a shoehorn, yeah, where you put your shoe yeah, on, right? Yeah, yeah. So I take the shoehorn, okay? Got the shoehorn. I put a paper cup on the end of the shoehorn. First off, I put a towel in it and wedge the paper cup into the shoehorn. Now it's in there. Then I take the plastic laundry bag and put it over the shoehorn or over the cup. I've made a plunger. So I get in there, hit the toilet, all goes down. I'm the MacGyver of plugging a toilet. Like it was unbelievable. Wow! It was um, I was like, just, just you just looked around, looked at what you had available, right? Created my own plunger. Created my own plunger. Dude, I tip my cap to you. Right. Got Mount Fudgy down the chute. Then I just took the thing and I just put it in the trash. Uh, got the. Whoop. You should patent this thing. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's uh, for people could could have it easy, easy, maybe easy to transport themselves. Right, have one with them just yeah. in case that wherever they go, there's not a plunger. For you people on a high fiber diet, you're welcome. Hey, that does for us. Like for everybody involved Jim in this. Jim Irsay's watching this right. right now, going, "If only, if only." Yeah, you should bring me along, Jim Irsay. <laughs> everywhere you go, if you're planning on plugging a toilet. <laughs> Uh, for everybody involved in the Sing Truth Podcast, I am Mark. He is Mike. We appreciate you guys being with us. Later. <laughs>